Well, we're in the season of giving and receiving gifts, and today I want us to kind of lean into that. Many of y'all have already started your Christmas shopping. Uh, I don't understand that. I really don't. Can't comprehend it. Uh, December 24th is plenty time to start Christmas shopping. Uh, but uh, we're in that season where we just want to give gifts. Today, I want us to think about regifting. Uh, re-gifting, not just any gift, not just uh, uh, a gift card that we had received or regifting a, a sweater that someone had purchased for us that doesn't fit. I want us to think about regifting the greatest gift that we have ever received this side of eternity. I want us to think about regifting that gift that God has given us, and His name is Jesus. In John chapter 3, Jesus described it this way. He said that God so loved the world. He loved the world in such a way that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believes in Jesus would not perish but have eternal life. Jesus is truly the greatest gift we've ever received. And so I want us to think about how that we who have received the gift of Jesus should share the gift of Jesus. And we're going to begin today by looking back at God's gifting plan even before the beginning of time. In John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5, we hear the story of what was going on in the mind and heart of God even before creation. John chapter 1, which is reminiscent of Genesis chapter 1. You know, Genesis chapter 1 is the story of creation in the Old Testament. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then it lists out the six days or epochs of creation and how God created and it was good, and God created and it was good, and God created and it was good. And we see that in that creation, the sun was born and the moons, moon was, moons were born, only one, that uh, this, uh, you know, in this place. Uh, the moons were born and the universe was created. Uh, on this earth, we see that, that uh, the seas were made and the mountains were formed and uh, the fish were uh, birthed and cows were made and chickens. And then uh, Adam and Eve in the garden, humanity was born there in the garden. And God created man and woman in his own likeness and in his own image. Um, and he said, this is good. Well, that's, that's creation as it happens. In John chapter 1, we have creation even before it happens. Now, listen to the beginning of time. In the beginning was the Word. Now, the Word there is Jesus. W-O-R-D is a shorthand for Jesus. It means the speech of God, the act of God, the work of God, the wisdom of God. It, it's God revealing Himself to humanity, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness could not comprehend it or snuff it out or overwhelm it. 
Before man drew his first breath, before the mountains rose up from the seas, before the sun rose in the east and set in the west, before the moon cast its beams across the waters, before the stars found their place in the heavens, Jesus is and was and always will be. And Jesus is God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And those simple statements that John makes, he's describing uh, this uh, eternality of Jesus, that Jesus is and always has been. Jesus is not a creation of God. Jesus is God. And Jesus didn't just have some divine attributes. Jesus is God. And Jesus didn't just fulfill the will of God. Jesus is God. And Jesus is and always has been God. And that forms the bedrock of who we are as followers of Jesus and of this church. We confess that Jesus is the second person of the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. God the Son is the one we're talking about. And God prepared this wondrous plan so that he would send the second person of the Trinity, Jesus himself, to be born in a manger in a stable. Uh, so that he might live his life perfectly without blemish and fault, so that he might go to the cross to die in the place of sinners like you and me, so that he might be raised from the dead, so that he might be ascended to the right hand of the Father and send his Holy Spirit to us, so that you and I might have a chance at life. This is the great giving of God from the very beginning beginning of time. Jesus is and always has been God. But more than that, Jesus is the creator of the cosmos. At the beginning of time, Jesus created the heavens and the earth. Everything that was made was made by Jesus. Jesus is, in Colossians chapter 1, the firstborn over all creation. Uh, It doesn't mean he's created. It means that he is the progenitor of creation. Uh, It it goes on in Colossians 1 and says that that all things were made by Jesus and all things were made for Jesus. That includes you and me. And that means that Jesus understands you inside and out. We are his creation and he understands us. He knows the inner workings of our heart. He knows uh, the the way our emotions work. He, He knows better than Enneagram your personality. Jesus understands you and me because we were created by him and we were created for him. But the great problem of humanity and the great problem that you and I have is not that we weren't created by God. We were created by him and for him. Our great problem is that we live separated from the one who created us. We see in this passage Uh, this great dilemma, and we'll look at it more fully next week, the the dilemma of humanity described in Genesis chapter 3. So today we're in John chapter 1 where we're looking at God's gift of Jesus to us before time began. Next week we're going to see the cause of why Jesus had to come. In Genesis 1 and 2 we hear the story of your creation and mine. 
Represented in the person of Adam and Eve, all humanity was formed by God, made in the image and likeness of God so that we might have friendship and fellowship with God. God made humanity for himself so that we might live in his family. But then Genesis 3, in Genesis 3, a great trauma hits uh, the cycle of humanity and the landscape of the universe and is called sin. Now, you and I both understand what sin is. I, I, I don't think I have to explain it to you. Even people who don't believe in God understand the concept of sin. Sin is when I do something bad. But more specifically, in light of who God is, sin is something I do that God didn't want me to do or anything that I don't do that God wants me to do. And the Bible tells us that we've all sinned, and that began in the Garden of Eden in Genesis chapter 3. God told Adam and Eve that they could eat of any, uh, anything in the Garden of Eden except for one tree. They couldn't eat fruit off of one tree, and that's the very thing that they did. They disobeyed God, they sinned against God, and all of a sudden darkness fell upon humanity, and it's that darkness that Jesus came to reverse. And darkness hit humanity because in that sinful moment of Adam and Eve, they were separated from God, and each one of us, each one of us live in the decaying darkness of our own disobedience to God. Every single one of us, not one person here, has lived perfectly before God. Each one of us have that seed of disobedience that has given birth in us to our own disobedience, our own rebellion. And sin is no minor thing. God who is holy and just, uh, he cannot have fellowship with sin. And so here's the big dilemma for all humanity for all time. God made us uh, and, and created us on the inside to want to have fellowship with him. But we have chosen sin, and sin cannot just be overlooked. Sin is this dastardly, despair-driving uh, thing in us that separates us from God. We are distanced from God because we have sinned. That distance is something we can't overcome on our own, and darkness falls upon us. Ephesians 2 describes it in this way. It says that, that we uh, were dead in our sin. Uh, we were dead in our trespass. That we were children of wrath. That we were walking in the decaying death, uh, darkness of death because of our sin. That's who we are. That's who humanity is, and the darkness has swallowed up the earth. I don't think any of us would hesitate to say we live in dark times. You know, we look at the cultural landscape around us, and we say, yeah, we live in dark times. We look at the dumpster fire that's happening even in our nation, and we say, yeah, we live in dark times. But friends, I think that maybe... Even in the church, we have diagnosed the problem rightly, but we have failed to see the right solution or remedy for the problem. Yes, we live in dark times. Yes, the dumpster fire in our culture is dark and dark indeed. But, but what we begin to do is we begin to say, okay, if we can just get a new process or a new program or even a new president, maybe all this darkness will disappear and dissipate. And I'm here to tell you, and God's Word is here to tell you, that that is not the solution 
that the human heart needs or the culture desperately, desperately needs. The landscape of our life is littered with rebellion against God, and the reason there is darkness in our world today, in our culture today, and for some of you here today, the reason there are these dark blank spots inside your soul is because you're separated from God by your sin, and you long to be part of God's family. You need light to pierce the darkness that sin has created and give you life. That's exactly what Jesus has come to do. That's the gift that God gives. The gift that we're looking at is that Jesus, Jesus who is life, gives light to humanity. Jesus himself is that life who gives light. I, I, I don't know if y'all like uh, 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 fairy tales or myths or made-up stories or that kind of thing. I love them. I love those stories, especially stories that, that I learned as a young boy, and, and I kind of make them up, uh, kind of add to them or subtract from them. But one of those stories is Pinocchio. Now, Pinocchio was, uh, that's not the official name of the story, by the way. In fact, there's a, uh, the story was written before the cartoon made it famous, but, but most of us know the cartoon and not the story. But Pinocchio is a story of, of uh, a creation by a guy named, what, what was his name? Geppetto. And, and, and Geppetto was a, a, a woodmaker, a carver. He was an artist, an artisan, and he created a, a marionette puppet, and he named the puppet Pinocchio. And Pinocchio, he treated as his own son. In fact, he made it so well that Pinocchio looked like a boy and he even talked like a boy and acted like a boy, but Pinocchio was just a puppet. Even though um, Pinocchio moved around, didn't have strings anymore, he would move around and he would talk and he would laugh and he would dance, he, he was dead on the inside, just dead wood. And so Pinocchio began to search for something to make him a real live boy, right? And, and he began to chase all these different things to make him a real live boy. He looked for friendships, but those friendships were skewed and it led him to dark places to do dark things, led him even into a prison uh, of his own making at a carnival-esque type experience. It, it, he was a puppet who was dead on the inside looking for light from the culture around him, and all he found was even deeper darkness. That led Geppetto to chase after Pinocchio. Even though Pinocchio had run away from home and had, was chasing life as he could create it, he, uh, Geppetto continued to chase after Pinocchio, and, and it ends up that Pinocchio is in the deep darkness in the belly of a whale. No hope of escape. This is the end. Some of you come here today and Many of your friends and neighbors, that's where they're living. They're living in the deep darkness of an isolated, lonely existence, dead wood for a soul, and they're looking for the light that will pierce the darkness and give them life. And Jesus has come to give us that life. Jesus, who is the very life that we long to know, has come to pierce the darkness 
of our culture and of our soul. In Him, verse 4, in Him was life. Life is found in Jesus and Jesus alone. Now, here's what I want you to get. And, and if you're not a follower of Jesus, it may take some, some thinking and some, some reflecting on this. If you are a follower of Jesus, you get it. But I, I think it's important that I say it. If you have Jesus, then you have life. We're all good there. If you do not have Jesus, you do not have life. And there's no middle ground. The reason so many of us are walking around zombies in the dark is because we don't have Jesus. And if we don't have Jesus, we don't have life. The very thing that makes our existence meaningful and purposeful is a relationship with God. But our sin has kept us from God. And so Jesus came, born in a manger, in a stable in Bethlehem 2,000 years ago, to bring life to us. If you have Jesus, you have life. But if you don't have Jesus, you don't have life. And Jesus literally is the one in whom life as we long to know it, life as we desperately desire, eternal life and spiritual life, wholeness of life, that's what Jesus has come to deliver. In him is life. And he shows us that life by imparting himself as light. That means that he shines. He shines into the darkness of our soul and the darkness of our comprehension and our understanding. He shines and he's shining his light even today so that you and I might trust him and believe on him, take hold of him as our only hope, and find life through faith in him. John chapter 8 verse 12, Jesus said, I am the light of the world and whoever believes in me will never walk in darkness again. This is the great gift that God has given us. That Jesus, who is life, gives light to us dwelling in darkness. And we know that darkness desperately, don't we? We know what that darkness is like. For every person here who is a follower of Jesus, you have experienced that light that pierces the darkness of despair and hopelessness and joylessness because you've been separated from God. But you've seen Jesus as your only hope for life. And you trusted in Him and the light of His love and the light of His grace and the light of His peace and the light of His mercy shined in your heart. And like a person that was trapped in the deepest, darkest dungeon cell without any hope of escape, like Pinocchio in the pit of a, st uh, of a whale's stomach, Jesus shined his light on you. And he provided rescue through his own death on the cross as payment for our sin, through his resurrection from the dead to give us new life. He paved a way so that we might walk across the bridge that his cross had built 
into the very family of God. And when we, by faith, trust Jesus, when we cling to him as our only hope, when we trust him as our, as our rescuer and our master and our Lord, when we see that Jesus gives life, and apart from Jesus there is no life, and we bank on it whole hog, whole heart, in that moment we feel, know, experience the darkness disappear. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness couldn't overwhelm it. I wonder why it is we don't sing just a little bit louder and a little bit more. For those of us who have experienced Christ, I wonder why it is that we don't shout just in the middle of a day, Woo! I can't help it sometimes. What God has done for me in giving me light through the life of Christ. It's changed me. And just like Pinocchio was made a boy by a fairy godmother or whoever it was, in real time and in real life, God, by His grace, takes us in the darkness and the decay of death, and He gives us a new heart, and He gives us a new life, because he shines his light on us. When we by faith trust Jesus, everything changes. We who were dead are now made alive in Christ. And if you're here today and you are a follower of Jesus, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It's changed you from the inside out. You've received this gift. In him was life. And that life was the light of man, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness couldn't snuff it out. We are the recipients of this glorious light, the very light of life. And it's given us a new way of seeing, and a new way of living, and a new way of singing, and a new way of, uh, of, of experiencing my, my everyday moments. No longer am I captured in the doom and gloom of despair, but now I have the light of hope shining upon me, within me, all because of what Jesus has done. I now live in the family of God as a son and as a daughter. Well, you would be a daughter, I would be a son. But I'm part of his family. Everything's changed. If you've received the gift, now what this passage teaches us is that we need to re-gift. What's the re-gift? If the gift is Jesus' life that gives light to humanity, what's the re-gift? Is that we give light of life through Jesus to others. We give the light of life through Jesus to others. Hey, you pick this story up in, in verse 6. Um, there's an intrusion. So he's been talking about Jesus, 1 through 5. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word uh, uh, and, and, and uh, the world was made through Jesus, who is the Word. Uh, he was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made in Him was life, and that life was the light of man. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness couldn't overwhelm it. But then there's an intrusion, verse 6. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. 
This man came for a witness to bear witness of the light, so that through him all might believe. John was not that light, but he was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which gives light to every man coming into the world. So, here's the re-gift. If you've received the light of light, light of life, then you must share that light of life with someone else. John was a man, just like any other man. He was a man sent by God on a mission. And you and I are men and women, boys and girls, sent by God on a mission. If you have received Christ, then you have a mission to share Christ. There was a man named John. There was a woman named Sheila. And a man named Irv or Jody or Kenny or Eric. And God has rescued us so that we, in turn, might share the gift, re-gift the light of life to our neighbors and friends, to those who are dwelling in the despair of darkness, in death's deep, dark decay, those who are separated from God by their sin, who long to experience life, to point them to Jesus. We're not the light. Jesus is the light, and our job is to direct people to Jesus, not just casually, but intentionally, not just occasionally, but daily. The greatest gift that you and I can give someone during this season is the light of life found through faith in Jesus Christ. This past week, on Wednesday, I got a text from one of our church members. His name's Brian. Brian's an ordinary guy just like you or just like me. But God had burdened Brian about his neighbor. His neighbor was sick, not doing well. And Brian was uncertain whether his neighbor had a relationship with God and guessed that perhaps she didn't. So Brian sent me a text, and he said, Pastor, will you pray for me? And many of you received the same kind of text. But, but, Pastor, will you pray for me? I I need to share the gospel, the good news. I need to re-gift the light of light to my neighbor. So we began to pray, and I... I sent a text to our staff, and they began to pray. And many of you, part of this small group, began to pray. And and we were praying intentionally and earnestly that God would give the opportunity for Brian to share the gospel. And Brian had asked, can I come and visit this sick neighbor? And, And there were some obstacles, hospice care and that kind of thing. We're standing between Brian and being able to do it. And, and on Thursday, uh, he texted me. He said, I think I'm going to get there at noon and be able to go and see her at noon. And so we began to pray and we prayed for that, that uh, divine appointment, that, that wondrous mission, that re-gifting opportunity. And 
And Brian texted me back. He said, I can't go until 5 or 5.30 this evening. So we continued to pray, and we continued to pray, and, and, and many of you continued to pray. And, and Brian, at the same time, he's praying. He, 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 he added a little bit more about his burden for his neighbor, and, and his heart was breaking for his neighbor. And, and finally, he had the opportunity. He walked over across the street to his neighbor's home and, and entered in, and the family was there, and, and his neighbor was not doing well at all. Brian got to share the gospel, and in that moment, in that very moment, after the gospel was shared, his neighbor embraced Jesus as Lord and King. Regifting accomplished. It's the very next day that his neighbor passed from death into heaven the very next day. There's no better way to describe what our job is than that. If you've received the light of life through faith in Jesus Christ, then it is your calling to regift it to the Pinocchios around you who are desperate for it. Will you join me this week in giving the gift of light to those who are swallowed up in darkness? I don't know how many of you have voted this week. Don't worry, I'm not going to get political. I don't know how many of you voted already. Uh, go ahead and raise your hands. Have you voted? That's a lot of you. I'm a Tuesday voter, right? Just like I'm a Christmas Eve shopper, I'm a Tuesday voter. If you still have to vote on Tuesday, you go and you stand in line. Don't use that line as an opportunity to advocate for your presidential choice. Use those couple of hours that you're going to stand in line to talk about the only hope for this world, the only one who can dispel the darkness, the only one who shines the light of life in this world. Use those couple of hours to talk about Jesus and to regift the light of light to those who are desperate for it. We're going to be regifting this season. Will you re-gift Jesus to someone who needs him? Let's pray. Oh God, in these moments as you have called us to this place, I, I pray first and foremost for any who are here today who are not yet followers of Jesus. I, I understand, God, how challenging it may be to hear a message like today and, and not really comprehend everything there is. And it's, it, it, it's, it, the vocabulary can be different and and the ideas can be different. But God, I pray right now that, that you would open eyes and hearts to begin to understand that if I have Jesus, I have life. But if I don't have Jesus, I don't have life. I pray that you would burden their hearts to ask more questions about it. Or, or maybe even now you would draw them to yourself by your grace. Lead them to turn from the sin in their life and trust in Jesus as their only hope. Father, I pray that 
you would speak to everyone here today who are followers of Jesus. God, I pray that you would burden us with a desire to give the light of life that's found in Jesus to someone else this week. Our neighbors need him. Our friends and our family members need him. As badly as we needed him, they need him today. So God, I pray that you would give us the joyful privilege of regifting Jesus to others this week. Now as we sing praise to you and as we reflect on how we once were sinners who have come into your embrace, how that you, Lord Jesus, are our comfort and our strength. You are our rescuer. You are our support and our help. You are life for us. Be glorified among your people as we praise you. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.